This is Crypto Core Radio, discussing the ideas, people, and projects building the new digital economy. Get the latest on blockchain technology and cryptocurrency updates with your host, Loops. Hello Hello and welcome welcome to Core Radio. This is Lutz coming to you live. Uh, Today is Friday and uh, the markets today are hanging in there. We're still at a steady 25.50 on Bitcoin. And I can hear myself in the background. (laughs) I I have on the show Stephen from Rivets. Today, Rivets is a new technology coming out. Uh, say hello, Steve. Hi, this is Stephen Sprague. Pleasure to be on. Stephen Sprague, Mr. Stephen Sprague, Sprague, right? Sprague is yes, Sprague. is going to be talking about Rivets. Now, uh, let's t- let's talk about you before we get to that. Uh, so, what do you do, Steve? So, so I'm I'm CEO of Rivets Corp, and uh, we are building. Um, security that that works against the embedded hardware security that's already in devices that are in the market. And we're just in the process of launching a cybersecurity token to help uh, in both the operation and economic models of that. So so when you, when you say improve on the security of uh, of the, the the hardware, which is the firmware of of the phones, uh, how can you how can you improve on that? Um, so we can improve on it by um, by inside the chipset of your phone is a capability called ARM Trust Zone. And so it's in all ARM processors. And it actually is the ability to run code completely isolated from the primary operating system. And we've worked with a series of partners so that we can build a trusted app that runs in that isolated execution space, assuring that what gets run um, can't be observed or altered by the operating system. Are there other applications that uh, that utilize this this zone in the phone, like like uh, antivirus software and firewalls? Yeah, so the so antivirus and 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 firewalls, well, typically they don't run within the context of a phone. I mean, certainly antivirus does, but it has real challenges against all the different isolated apps. You can think of this more as a second computer inside your computer to store and process secrets. So things like encryption and um, access control keys and things like Bitcoin keys can now not only be held, but processed independent. So it's, it's really like putting a second hardware device within your device. Gotcha, it's, a, it's like, a, like a zip drive, like an encrypted zip drive I would plug into my, into my laptop and then access it with, you know, whatever information on my zip drive with a password, right? Uh, you can think of it that way, but I think a better example would be um, it's, it, it, it has computational pay- capabilities too. So it's almost like running an AB switch and you have an, a little computer on one side and a much bigger computer and you flip the AB switch and now I'm running in an isolated environment. So I can do things that are in that second computer that can't be observed. Because once I flip the AB switch, you can't see what's going on. Oh, I, I like that. That sounds awesome. And, and is this for all model phones or is, you know, what, what, what OS is? 
Yeah, so it's actually a chipset capability and it's and it ships on both ARM um, today and Intel has just recently in the last two years launched a similar capability they're putting in PCs. Rivets today, we support the Android ecosystem um, running on ARM processors, uh, so typically phones. Uh, we are we uh, leverage a platform called Trustonic, which actually brings us what's called a TEEOS, which is how we load and run these applications. Um, and that today is running across Android on many different manufacturers. Unfortunately, it's not supported on Apple today. Um, Apple has the capability in the hardware. They use it for their secure enclave, but they don't share that capability with third-party application developers yet. Okay, uh, but te technically it could run on, on any ARM device then. Yeah, that's correct. This no is matter what OS. Yeah, you could think of this as any of the sort of higher speed ARM processors have ARM trust zones. So two and four core processors and up. Um, you know, so all the, this has been in, in cell phones for now four or five years. Um, right. You know, so older phones that even flip phones have the capability. Okay, I, I think I, I get you. I get what you're saying. So it's it's below the the OS level. It's it's like it's like when you when when I flash my uh, my phone, there's always that Android operating system before you get into the regular operating system. Uh, you know, there's that like that that post area, right? And it, yeah, that, correct. It's it's actually even below that. So it's isolated from that loader. That's the firmware loader. This is um, protected so that even the firmware loader shouldn't be able to alter the code that runs. That's awesome. Is the, is the switch physical? No, in some ways it would be interesting to have a physical switch. The, the person who's advocating for a physical switch has been John McAfee, um, has been out there pushing for the concept of physical switches, which is an interesting idea. Um, no, this is a software switch so that uh, we can have an app that will, will store your private keys. Let's say if you're doing, you know, uh, uh, a, a chat application instead of chat encryption happening in the operating system, it can now happen in the trusted execution environment. And so there's really no risk that malware um, could steal your secret keys and therefore impersonate you or read all your messages. That's 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 pretty awesome. Now now you said you're going to tokenize this this uh, this technology. How are you going to do that? Well, so one of the great challenges in trusted execution is. Now that I have this little isolated computer that's running measured code, how do I know it hasn't been changed? You know, did it get updated yesterday and I didn't know about it? Is there a weakness that's been introduced? And so <clears throat> what, one of the important characteristics is to perform a health and integrity test. And so we actually are able to calculate from the time the power is turned on in the device all the way up to the trusted execution environment becoming available, we can calculate that that code hasn't changed. And so what we do is we store a reference value, a reference health test, and then anytime that device performs a transaction in the trusted execution environment, we perform a real-time test. And what we've done is made it possible to, when the transaction's being processed, do a comparison and say, hey, is the real-time test equal to a reference test? And we write that reference test to a blockchain so that it can't change over time. So now we have a cybersecurity control that's verifying the hardware security is running in the right condition anytime a transaction is actually executed. So how does the token actually work though with the technology? I'm, I'm still kind of missing that. Sure, what we've done is we've built a, um, a token 
that actually incorporates into the token process. We've modified a blockchain script so that when the token's transaction is processed, there's a test to determine whether real-time equals reference. If it's equal, then that transaction continues. And so we can incorporate the, the rivets spend function of, a, of an RVT token, what we call a rivet token. Um, and the RVT token then, when it's spent, has this integrity test performed as part of it. Uh, so it becomes an integral part of both operating of it and the actual transaction itself. Does it, so, so if I were to use it in a real case scenario, how, how would I use the, the token? Like, like when I use the, the soft, well, it's not software, it's kind of like firmware, right? When, when I use the, the technology, you know, does it use tokens when I, when I turn it on? Like, or, or do I use the token to spend, you know, send money, money to people? To people. Like, how yeah, does it sure. work? We, I think initially we were, so we're not trying, we're not trying to replace Bitcoin or, or any of the things you're really comfortable with and use every day. We're trying to add an augmentation to it. So, for example, if, if when we're doing this transaction in Bitcoin, we would, we would see adding this token mechanism as part of a multiple signature process so that the health and integrity of the device is actually part of what's called a multi-sig wallet. And so you have, in essence, an automatic machine multi-sig that as long as the device is in a known good, healthy condition, the transaction will continue. And so at which point we're just a small transaction fee, uh, really a true microtransaction. Think of a penny or two um, when you're doing a larger dollar value transaction. And that could be true for um, logging into a website. It doesn't have to be a it doesn't have to be a Bitcoin transaction. Um, it could be part of uh, two-factor authentication for any service that you're logging into. So, so would I need a you know, would I need a large amount of these tokens in order to continue using the technology? Well, actually, we think the part that's really interesting in this is that we think that your device is going to ultimately need an allowance or or some human-controlled funds because you're going to want these transactions to happen automatically. And so the second thing that we're doing with a token is that now that we have this policy engine within the trusted execution environment, we can actually wrap um, other tokens um, within a policy so that now the owner of the platform can decide pretty much any rule can be applied. So one of the interesting things that we've done is allowed the trust agent in your device to not only check itself, but it can check any external source for an attribute like, um, you know, you could use something as simple as asking your carrier, where is this phone, which would be a trusted location data. And so that trusted location data can become part of um, a transaction. So the owner can say, you're only allowed to spend money if you're in Brooklyn, or you can only spend money if it's after five o'clock and before midnight, or you can only spend money if it's to these specific services. And so we think there's a real job to provide what we think of as money with policy for devices. I see, uh, so it's it's like a it's like a smart contract, but it's only within the like phone. A smart contract, but run by a trusted execution environment on the device, controlled by the owner. So it's a very similar concept using a different technology that's inside your device, but then the rules are written by the owner. All right, now not starting to make sense, Nick. So, you know, I think the part that's important in this is that, you know, there are lots of new utility tokens that are being talked about for storage and networking and all sorts of really cool things. 
this token, this token market model is just fantastic in how we're going to create uses and consumption of cryptocurrency. However, we're going to want many of those payments to be automatic. And the real challenge with automatic money is that, you know, any good looking bot that comes by is going to empty your device's wallet because it'll be like, oh, you want money? Cool. Let me give you some. Right. And so it's important to put rules that the owner controls around that. Otherwise, your phone sort of looks like a three year old with an allowance. No, that's, that's, very, that's very nice, man. I, I, I think I, I'm so. So if I wanted to set up, you know, payments, it, it's all the keys are on my end. There's I don't have to depend on, you know, some third party to do the automated payments for me because I could do it myself from my phone. I'm in total control. That's absolutely correct. And and I think what's important with the technology is that we support really both models. We support a strong authentication model so you can log in and get different services, as well as um, we support a model where the keys are completely held locally. All right. This is, I, I, I'm starting to like it. Uh, what's so I mean, is it out yet? Is there an ICO coming? How does how does how do you get some? Yeah, so we just announced um, our ICO will be on July 25th. Um, and so we're working with tokenmarket.net to help us put that together. Uh, we just announced that a couple days ago. And so we're really um, excited about it. We're, uh, we're in the midst of all the process that is an ICO. So uh, sleep is highly optional. And, uh, um, and so we're really excited for it. I think that cybersecurity is something that needs to be built into all of these transactions. Uh, the technology is has already been prototyped. Uh, we've been working with a number of different customers. Uh, we've actually, as a small company, done almost a million dollars worth of business with the U.S. government over the course of the last year. Uh, so the technology is something that we have operational. We have not commercially launched it yet, and we will do that after the token sale. All right. What, what kind of experience do you have, Steve? So my background is wait, in wait. 20 years of trusted computing. I'm uh, I could have sold you bullets in the game Doom for one ten thousandth of a cent of bullet in digital cash in 1997. Uh, we were building hardware-based microtransaction metering systems way back then. And uh, my company, I was uh, CEO of a company called Wave Systems for, for 20 years almost. And wow. we were at the forefront of really helping the industry to adopt this hardware security into devices. I left that company in 2013 to form Rivets because... Um, it was very clear the market shifting more towards a mobile architecture and and wanted to build a company focused on the mobile applications of these technologies. Wow. So you've been around a while. 2013 is it. So you've been doing this for you've been in rivets. So it's not it's not something new. It's just something new to the Bitcoin world. Um, yeah, my first Bitcoin conference was kind of fun. I went um, I, I, it was the middle of February or January in uh, 2014, and a friend called up and said, you got to go to the Miami Bitcoin conference. And I was like, uh, let's see, it's minus 20 degrees outside. Um, yeah, I'll go to Miami for Bitcoin. Um, and so I had a great time. And, and really, my, my first reaction, having walked in with 15, 20 years of trusted computing experience was, wow, these guys need to protect the private key. I, I got a billion and a half systems that know how to protect the private key that need an application. This really ought to be a great play. And it, so it's taken a while for everyone to understand that we kind of do need some cybersecurity control in this uh, in the Bitcoin space. Um, and so we're really happy to be, you know, part of the teams that are delivering 
really incredible cybersecurity controls going forward for financial transactions, authentication, all the services we want to use every day. That, that's that's a great example of how you know just you know somebody that you know does something else in mainstream just auto, automatically came in sort an opportunity to make this technology better and here you are. I mean, there's probably tons of people that don't know that they could help and 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 you know work in this space yet because they they really don't know about it yet. It's still not that. Like for example, I just I just brought my uh, my stepfather to a, a conference here in New York, a, a Bitcoin on 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 Wall Street, and uh, he was he was he was just blown away. He had no idea. He had no idea, and a lot of people have no idea what what it's all about. So now he's getting more interested in it. But that's a great example of how you put your regular you know skills into into the blockchain the blockchain uh, technology world. And so this performs a really important piece. When you look at a blockchain and you take any piece of data that's written to a blockchain, you know, a, a classic transaction, right? You look at the chain, you can see the transaction that was done. What we don't have today are the tools to prove that the transactions on the chain were intended. We know they were written by a private key, but we don't know how well that private key was protected. And so what Rivets is really bringing is the ability to protect the private key and as part of the transaction record the quality of the protections that were there when that transaction was written. So now we can have provable cybersecurity controls on a completely decentralized peer-to-peer -peer infrastructure. That that sounds fantastic. So so if somebody was to, was to compromise my key, he wouldn't be able to spend it? Is that possible? Because of the the you know, two-factor type security? Well, that's correct. They, if they were able to just steal your key, right now we're basically the, the wallet that then has money in it would have to also verify that the policy of the device that stores the key is in a good condition. And that policy could extend to things like an external um, source of data, like an enterprise management system that says, oh my God, he lost his phone. And so therefore, the moment you lose your phone, you wouldn't be able to spend any of the money that's in that policy protected wallet because the trusted execution environment would represent additional keys in that process. So, you know, there's no, no security is a silver bullet. It's only different systems have different quality of security as part of them. But we think this is a really important piece of the puzzle, which is when you lose your key, you don't know. But if I take your phone, you're gonna notice, you know, try removing a phone from the end of the arm of a 17 year old, you could lose an eyeball. Yeah, <laughs> mine. So, uh, you know this, you know, especially with mainstream media today, you know, with their, uh, you know, uh, everyone's getting hacked. You know, uh, you know, Bitcoin. Uh, you know, the, it's a security issue. You know, and the fact is that the government just didn't lock down the systems enough. You know, how how do you get attacked with malware, really? You know, the uh, fundamental thing everybody's stealing are your credentials. And if we right. could, and, and just, and I'll just say this once, because I think it's a really great way to think of it. We're all talking about multi-factor authentication and six digit codes, and certainly Rivets builds technology in that space as well. But what's your favorite form of multi-factor authentication? By the way, if you've used it, and this is true for every listener, you've used it 10 times today, you taught your mother how to use it, and you've taught your children how to use it if you have any. What is it? 
It's the send button on your phone. Underneath the send button on your phone is a SIM chip, and that SIM chip protects the keys that bind that device to the carrier. And so you just dial the number and push send. And if you're old enough, you'll remember back in the mid-1990s when we used to dial phones, and then it would ask you for a PIN number for every long-distance phone call. It was annoying. Wow. You, you, you are beyond knowledgeable about that because I have no idea what you're talking about. But that sounds, that sounds amazing. Uh, you know, you just don't just imagine if your phone worked like this. You know, it's like dial a number, take a selfie, and as long as the selfie matches, your phone will connect. Like that would be annoying. Like I'm sorry, <laughs> you're wearing dark glasses. It's too dark inside at the club tonight. You can't complete your call. I mean, are you kidding me? You just want to push the send button. That's great. I, I I'm a network engineer, and you know, I, I didn't I had no idea about that. And, and it sounds so simple too, right? Like back then. So what? let's get to your, the structure of your ICO. How is that going to be structured? So we haven't published all of the details yet. Um, this is going to be a fixed volume of coins. So there'll be 200 million coins that are issued. Um, we'll sell approximately 70 million coins in the sale. At least that's the current plan. The details of it will come out next week. And, uh, uh, and we'll see, you know, we're, we're, we're in the process right now of talking to um, buyers in the deal to really understand the structure and price of the deal and the demand for it. And so the details on the, ex on the exact makeup of the token sale will get published um, probably by middle of next week. Uh, and then right now the general, the general token sale will be available um, on the 25th of July, and there'll be a pre-sale that opens um, obviously before that. Okay, and so, so if you get it on the pre-sale, you, uh, you, know, you get a little bonus? Yeah, absolutely. We're we're following a fairly um, uh, tried and true model in this space. Um, so yeah, we intend to provide a discount um, for anybody who's in the pre-sale. And and actually, I think uh, we're a big fan of uh, when the general sale opens. There'll be a discount in a similar level as well for the early participants in the general sale. All right. Any any, uh, any type of escrow you're 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 looking to use. You, will you have yeah, an escrow, escrow system? Um, probably not specifically. We're letting token market handle structuring the deal. Um, so it's our intent that that these uh, tokens uh, that are, especially the tokens that are sold in the presale, will be um, will be tradable as they're as they're listed on an exchange. Um, so so we're uh, we're we're going down the path to keep it i think pretty straightforward and very favorable to the to the buyers of this product you know this is a product that everybody can use and and so uh, we think there's real value built over time as as both the number of devices increase and then the number of applications that are leveraging it so you know we think there's really very strong potential for the idea that the automated money of a machine um, really brings value in a global installed base and speaking of product, uh, is there like an MVP that we could we could you know try or test or look at? Uh, no, not yet. We have um, we have a number of YouTube videos that we have posted of the application fully operational. Um, this is something that requires a level of integration and and the resource to support in the market. We think this is uh, the the first solution that will ship into market will be two factor authentication with embedded cybersecurity controls. So when you log on to a Google account, as an example, 
Um, Rivets today has a two-factor authenticator that supports that. Um, it'll support anything that supports the 2FA standards. But we will also validate that the engine that's performing the two-factor authentication hasn't been tampered with or changed since it was uh, recorded in a reference environment. Uh, and so that way you can feel quite confident that your two-factor authenticator is working the way it's expected to. And we could even bind it to external controls like, are you still an employee or are you in the United States or some of the very basic controls. And, and we expect ultimately to provide a marketplace for anyone who wants to develop a control. We actually have a couple of folks that are already going down that path where um, those services can be paid for in the RBT token and uh, uh, and really the, the sky's the limit on what's possible from integrating into uh, legacy enterprise systems to uh, you know, more advanced capabilities for what do I do if I lost my phone, et cetera. Gotcha. Is there anybody uh, else on the team besides yourself? Yeah, absolutely. The company was co-founded by my, myself and my brother, Michael Sprague. Uh, Michael's been also in the trusted computing space for a long time. Um, Sean Gilligan uh, is my uh, head engineer and has been working in the Bitcoin space. He was uh, a pretty strong contributor into the Omni project and the Mastercoin project uh, a number of years ago. He's been working with Rivets now for a while. Um, we have a couple of other engineers. We have um, a couple of, of great advisors into the project, uh, a gentleman by the name of Greg Kazmercheck, who's um, been on the board of the Trusted Computing Group, uh, actually worked for me in, in my, my previous job and is one of the leading voices in Trusted Computing. Um, and uh, people like Matt Rozak from uh, Tally Capital, he's also working with Block today, uh, who's also an advisor to the project. Uh, David Johnston um, from Factum is also an advisor to the project. So. We have a pretty good sized team. Uh, we've been doing this for a while. Uh, so, uh, you know, the company's raised over a million um, eight to date uh, in, in uh, uh, vendor money. And, uh, and we've been at this for a while in the market. Okay, so it's a, run and it's a running business. That's great. Uh, what, do you know what type of algorithm you're, you know, it, it's gonna use? Are you gonna be using the Ethereum? network or will you be having your own chain? It's going to be a mixture of both the Ethereum network and our own chain. Uh, some of the details of exactly how we want to lay that out, the reality is there probably will ultimately be more than one. Um, we see some different use cases depending on whether you're trying to put this into an enterprise style market or into the individual consumer um, cloud market. And so we'll support both um, and, and different markets have different requirements. So I think in the enterprise market, Technologies like Hyperledger and, and some of the Sawtooth Lake stuff that's been done will be really interesting and very synergistic with what we've done. Um, obviously, for a single consumer, you're not going to run your own private chain. And so, therefore, we'll provide um, a chain mechanism that's that's publicly available to everybody. Well, what I meant is the Rivets uh, token. Where, where will this be based on? What, what will it be based on? Is it a, an Ethereum token or... Uh... Is it a Waves token? Is it a Komodo asset? It's an Ethereum token. Ah. So when, uh, if I wanted to buy in, I would need a Ethereum? Yeah, so for those who want to buy in, um, you know, the details will be up on our website. So I want to make sure that we have a sort of single source of data for folks. Um, so if you go to uh, rivets.com or rivets international, rivetsintl.com, 
Um, you'll find our white paper and that's where we'll post details on exactly um, how and when the tokens will become available. Um, but it's an Ethereum token, you'll need an Ethereum wallet for it. All right, very cool, very cool. So any, uh, any, any reason specifically why you decided to go with Ethereum? Yeah, we need the smart contract mechanisms in the early uh. stages of it. And so Ethereum provides us with the right support in that. Um, uh, we, there, there are challenges in exactly how we manage the internals of the token in the long term. And so Ethereum provides us, I think, with the right flexibility today. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, what, that's the same reason why everybody uh, is using it today. It's because it has the smart contract capability built in. There are a lot of new platforms coming out soon, you know. If, so I would, I would keep an eye out. Uh, Komodo's, Komodo has smart contracts coming out. I think there's one called Civic where they have modular smart contracts. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, we're pretty excited about the collection of technologies. I think a good way for people to think about this is you're going to take a token, you're going to fund a device as an owner, and now the device is going to have some resource, both for security transactions and potentially even long-term other transactions. If you, know, if you decide you want that money back, the owner will be able to remove the money from device, but only the owner will be able to remove it without it going through its policy. So the owner can say, hey, look, here's money you can only spend on Civic. And, and so maybe that's the only purpose that that phone has. And so if you have a person that you're trying to enable, you know, with a civic type token, then how are you gonna do that other ways where they can only spend it in the way that you expect? And I think that's one of the really important pieces of this is how do we, how do we make it simpler for the management as we move to this utility market of tokens, it's gonna be fantastic for cryptocurrencies on a long-term basis. All right. Yeah, we can never get enough uh, security, especially today with all these uh, hacks. And, you know, I, I think a lot of the problem is, you know, between the chair and the computer. But, but you know, it's correct. We need to fire the user. And the way to <laughs> successfully fire the user is that we manage the device better. And so today you have known users with unknown computers. That's really how we're doing computing today for everything. This is about a fundamental switch to giving the computer really strong identity and transactional capabilities, and then making sure that those transactional capabilities haven't been altered by malware. And so finally, we have a known user, known computer combination. Turns out robots can be really useful to help you out in automating things, but only if you can trust them to do what you ask. We don't want robots that lie to us. And right now our computers can lie to us. These are the technologies that eliminate the lying endpoint. Very, very cool, man. Uh, so if somebody wants to get in touch with you, is there an email address or? Uh... Absolutely, I can be reached at any time at Stephen, spelled with a V, at rivets, R-I-V-E-T-Z.com. And like I said, the token sale details will be at Rivets International, so R-I-V-E-T-Z-I-N-T-L.com. And, uh, uh, you know, if anybody else is looking for additional information, uh, as I said, we're, we're working with the token market, uh, net folks, um, who are helping us to manage our sale. There's a, there's a few people that, that listen to me that, uh, that work with these groups, these large groups, if they wanted to get in on the pre-sale, you know, where, you know, a bunch of people collaboratively, you know, put in to get on in on a pre-sale, uh, how can they just reach out to you that way? 
Uh, they can certainly reach out to me, but I'm ultimately going to put them in touch with the token market um, team. They're running the sale. And so uh, they'll control uh, the access in the pre-sale, et cetera, and the, and the process. So I think gotcha. it's very important to have one point of collaboration and, and coordination um, and token market's going to do that for us. Nice. So, so you, you've said this many times. The token market is a, is, is sort of like is they manage the ICO for you. Is that how it works? Correct. Um, you know, they've done a few of them already. And uh, I think in these processes, almost all of us that are doing token sales are working with there are two or three companies that are out there helping people manage their sales. Uh, this is a sufficiently new process that I think it's really good to engage some um, some experts and some folks who've done it before so that we reduce the number of headaches and missteps uh, in this brand new process where we're all learning. All right, very cool, man. Uh, so big shout out to Token Market out there. Thank you. I oh, yeah, I've seen this website. Uh, I think my friend, my friend John runs this. Uh, I'll ask him later. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. I, I know, I know, I ran, I ran it a little long. I'm sorry, and I ask, I ask a few questions that you know are imperative to investors. Uh, but thank you for coming on. I when when will I hear from you again? Uh, thanks for having me. Always, I'm always happy to talk. So uh, feel free to reach out anytime, and and certainly anybody who's out there, uh, you know, putting tokens into in, into their wallets, they should always think about adding a cybersecurity token. Um, along in the mix. I think cybersecurity is going to help boost the value of everybody's tokens across the market. Um, if we can help protect it, it will make it easier and safer for everybody to use. You, you're going you're gonna to do great because, you know, all these security-backed uh, type tokens like Mysterium, they're, they're doing very well. And it's because that it's a security, you know, it's everyone, what need, you can't get enough security. I mean, I got two VPNs myself. I, you know, our spy shelter, you know, antiviruses. I mean, the, the works, right? I mean, you can never get enough because, you know, especially when you're holding a few Bitcoins, you definitely don't want them to get stolen. Absolutely. And, and, and hopefully we get to the point where on the PC you're using, you'll actually start to measure the BIOS integrity. So every time you turn your computer on, we know that it's actually really running the software that you expect. That's been in every PC for almost seven years now, and very few people use it. These tools are about exposing those kinds of capabilities on PCs, phones, tablets, really the works. Okay, like, a, like a zero checksum for applications running? When you fire up your computer and the BIOS runs, today the hardware of your computer checks that with something called a trusted platform module chip. And, uh, but it only is as good as somebody then checking the trusted platform module chip that it was, that it was the same and no one checks yet. So it's part of my old job. We'll get back to that. There are 1.5 billion PCs with that capability. Nobody's putting it to use yet. Gotcha. Just, this idea that your computer is important to you and it might lie is really important. And, and I think we're all discovering that the computer is the thing with the virus, not the human. So, but Windows, Windows, you know, the operating system would be in charge of, you know, controlling that, that feature, right? Actually, no. That feature, is, the BIOS is what loads the operating system. The right. operating system checks itself with antivirus and all the tools Microsoft has, but it's handed a computer by the BIOS that nobody checks. 
And so if I infect the BIOS of your computer, I control everything and steal everything, all your keys, everything, because you're sitting between the memory and the processor and the operating system. It's a shim between. And so it's this is where the rubber meets the road. This is real cybersecurity embedded within the hardware actually protecting the secrets. It's the tools that Apple Pay uses and Samsung Pay uses to protect the funds. It's what makes smart cards work. The, these are the core of the hardware security and testing to see if the hardware security is the same. Right. So, so like, basically the BIOS and basic, is it a BIOS is basic input, input output, output semiconductor system. System. Oh, I was, I was close. I was close. Uh, so it's, a, it's basically a piece of software, a uh, firmware, but it's software on a hard chip that's located on the actual board, the motherboard of whatever device. But then they made it programmable and upgradable. So you can like flash your BIOS. And if I flash your BIOS as the, as the uh, Iranians did to the Saudi oil company, they killed 40,000 machines. It's fantastic. They had to throw the computers away. They couldn't fix them. Wow. And it, so, okay, well, I, I can see how that works. So it, it, it's, it's way under, it's, it's, it's ex exactly when it posts, right? Or like, right, even before the post. It's the thing that makes post happen, right? It's before post. And, and so, so look, it's we direct. Don't lose the whole audience in this. The important thing is you really want to have a known computer in a known condition. And, and, and we as consumers, we don't want to know about this stuff. We just want to know the computer's the same as it was yesterday when I turned it on. Well, well at, at this point, this is just some extra I'm asking personally. <laughs> I, think, I think we're pretty much done with the show, Steve. Uh, I, was just, I was just asking out of my own curiosity. Yeah, no, no problem at all. We, I, I did a demonstration of BIOS integrity secured by a self-encrypting drive at the NSA conference in 2009. So your computer wouldn't unlock its hard drive if the BIOS had been altered. It was really slick. But these were, you know, these were sort of science fair projects that were done back in the late 2000s. Those, that, those capabilities could be put on every PC built today. I want that. I, I, want, I want only the specific applications that I know of running and nothing else to run. That, I want that for my computer. I, 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 I don't see how nobody else would want that. Um, it's... It's a big mental shift to go from a network security model to a device security and network security model so that the devices are known. It's much more of a mobile architecture where the phone has identity and a chip in it that can't be altered. And, and so shifting in that direction shifts the network to where we all want to get to. Hi, brother. I appreciate your time. Thank you Thank for you coming on. Love, love you, man. Have, Have a great day. Anytime. All right, all right, guys, uh, that's the end of the show. Everybody listening, it looks like we do have about 22 people at the moment. I have no idea where you guys came from, but thank you for coming on and listening to us. And uh, everybody, enjoy your day and enjoy your 4th of July weekend. Uh, don't drink too much. Be safe. This is Lutz signing out. Supernet aims to give people their power back through technology by no longer needing to rely on third parties such as exchanges, banks and services, giving you privacy at the same time. Supernet Technologies is the most anonymous technology being worked on currently, with a team of developers working diligently daily. Supernet aspires to be a creative, innovative, state-of-the-art solutions provider, which provides individuals opportunity, personal satisfaction and value. 
You can find out more at www.supernet.org and join our Slack with over 2,500 people.